1: All right, we're doing episode seventy-five here, and we are very happy to have on uh, Marty Wilford, assistant coach of the Buffalo Sabres, works with the D, and uh, can honestly say, Marty, that uh, you know Craig and I we talk every day about the Sabres, and we can see that your presence is being felt with the D core.
3: Yeah, well, good. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment there. Yeah, it's you know I feel lucky. I was put in a good situation to come and work with D that obviously a have this much talent, but two it's uh, how much these guys are driven to uh, be good and how good they want to be. And um, obviously with everything, you know, Donnie's done a great job with them and started with him, I think coming in here last year and the culture he creates. And um, these guys are like really they're rink rats in, the D specifically who I work with, you know, it's like, you got to literally push these guys off the ice. Like they just want more and more and more, you know? So it's, I, I I lucked out, came into a great situation, some very talented players, but again, just their character and their commitment and their drive and they want to be the
0: best is, is you couldn't ask for anything more. You say that they're rink rats. Here's the thing. Rink rats are guys that love to be at the rink. They love to come to the rink. They don't want to leave the rink. It's like once the practice is there, they're there. They're there early and they leave late. Here's the thing. You have to build that culture. And it's something that maybe is debatable over the last number of years that that culture of the rink rats have not been there. How has it been with this team this year? You know, from the start of the year to where you are right now where do you think the team's at, you know, culture wise, um, you know, moving forward?
3: Oh, there is absolutely no egos. That's the one biggest thing is everybody can be their self, be themselves. And, you know, I experienced it a little bit on the other side, my days in Anaheim, we'd have some young players, you know, come up and they'd walk around on their tippy toes, but it's, everybody here is, like I said, there's no egos. They want everybody to just be themselves and, they have so much fun together. It's like they they just, they never want to leave the rink and they want so much more information. And uh, even the good players, uh, they just like, how can I get better today? What did you see in my game last night? Like you could go on and on watching video with them or just even talking about their game or just little details of the position uh, defense specifically. Like they don't want to get off the ice. You literally have to force some of our you know, young guys like enough, that's too much, you know, like get ready. We got a game tomorrow night. You got to play the game too.
1: It goes back to the, uh, to the off season. Um, Before we, before we get further into the, into the defense and the team and everything and how things are going, because the team looks great. Mm -hmm. How did, how did, uh, how did it come about for Marty Wilford becoming a Buffalo saber?
3: Yeah. So I was with the Anaheim organization for 10 years. um, The last three up with the big club, um, kind of got late notice they were going in a different direction and um, you know you're looking for a job and uh, I knew Donnie he was my first ever pro coach I started uh, my first year East Coast League Columbus chill so uh, it just kind of started from there I reached out to him started looking at different options too um, but you know talking to Donnie and the makeup of this team and the culture where they're at and where this organization was at and where I was at, you know, really in my coaching career kind of seemed like a good fit and, you know, fortunate enough that they needed somebody in my position. Um, That's how it kind of came up and, you know, kind of the rest is history and took a couple of weeks, you know, I guess them to go through their process and next thing, you know, I was, we're on our way to Buffalo. So it was
0: good. Well, it's, it's interesting looking at, uh, you know, I was looking at your, uh, your hockey DB stats, you know, you, you gotta look those guys up. That's the Bible of hockey. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's awesome that, uh, listen, number one, I hate the Oshawa generals, <laughs> you know, I'm the Kingston Frontenac oh, okay. Pete I know played for Oshawa and, uh, um, you know, I think I missed you because you came the the year that i came out of the ohl you went in uh okay. to play for oshawa and i'm just looking at your teams that you played in you played a couple years in the ihl which is like that's that's you know yet uh that you're uh you're an old buck when you you see the old ihl beside the name but yeah. all the teams that you you played on the experience that you I mean, you got experience from every one of these cities in which you played different organizations, different coaches, different players, like Mm -hmm. what can you bring from your playing days, not just necessarily the years that you coached, but your playing days. What do you, what do you give to these guys?
3: Right, for sure. Um, I guess, uh, I'll go back. So I was drafted with the Blackhawks and I was really in their organization for seven or eight years. Those years I bounced around the IHL, um, Chicago lost their affiliation in Indianapolis. And then, so I bounced around a couple teams there. Um, and then I went to Norfolk for those years. And, um, I guess my experience from playing a little bit, like I really thought, you know, when I was done playing, I would get into coaching, but I realized it probably in those Norfolk days, um, as with Trent Yanni, I played for him for four years oh, yeah. there. And, you know, back then, we, there was no assistant coaches. So, I was kind of given a luxury, you know, maybe a lot of other people didn't have, you know, or sometimes he'd want to split up forwards and defense and, you know, it'd start taking the, you know, the defense down the one end. And, you know, you see this as a player, we need to work on that. And then I really thought more about it. Uh, Duncan Keith, he was his first year in Norfolk. Um, we all kind of lived together in condos there. And it's like, you talk about a rink rat. He was one of them. Like, at night he'd come down and have dinner with us or want to hang out and we'd watch hockey. And he would just talk about so many little details of the position of defense on where to get better. And you just start thinking, you know, well, how can I apply this? Where can we get better? Get an edge here. If I read this play here, can I kill it? Can we transition, go the other way? You know? And I think that's really when I started to uh, dial in the details of the position, you know, or think about it more. And, um,
1: it's amazing that you referenced him because we, we talked about you last week and I said, I, cause I went through all the young players that you might've played with, right. Yeah. That, that had moved on. And then I saw Duncan Keith and I was like, well, this is exactly the kind of guy that you want to want to be able to say that you had some kind of influence in molding, right? Because He's an example that you can use for even a guy like Darlene, who is number one, even though Duncan Keith was a second rounder. You know what I mean? Cause Duncan Keith played like he was a number
0: one overall pick. You know, I just, I just want to bring this up. This is a yeah. keynote. So I'm looking at, I think uh, Duncan Keith's first year. Yeah, you did outscore him by eleven points. Not a big deal. So <laughs> humble brag to uh, yeah. to to Matty Wolfert right now, just crushing Duncan yeah. Keith, who's uh, going to be a hockey Hall of Famer. But go go ahead,
1: Petey. No, that was it. I mean, I, I saw that, and I, I, I'm thinking to myself. I mean, you had you had almost you know you had a like a, a a great seat for a young kid's start of his career, who went on to have a Hall of Fame career, but also being a veteran on the team, you're obviously mentoring this kid at the same time. So, I mean, when I saw that, I'm thinking to myself that those are the exact same kind of things and intangibles that you want to show your own power when he gets here, your Rasmus Dallin, guys like that, and use him as an example.
3: Yeah, for sure. I've been very lucky. Like, obviously, uh, my playing career, my feet got the better of me, uh, almost like I skated with, you know, snowshoes on, but you know, I guess my strength probably could... <laughs> think the game. I think that's, you know, probably naturally why I, you know, got into coaching, but I was lucky in that Chicago organization is like every first round pick that came through there. I always got paired with them for the year. Um, James was Yeah. Yeah. Brent Seabrook, Anton Babchuk. Um, Even when I went to Dallas, I was in Iowa for a year that year. Matt Niskanen, uh, Nicholas Grossman, just kind of got just that a player
1: development coach. eh?
3: Yeah, I know. Just a minor league guy that, you know, and I always got paired with the young guys. And even then, when I went to Anaheim too, you go down at like Lindholm, Manson, even Montour, we had him when he first started in San Diego for two years, Shea Theodore, Marcus Peterson. So I've
0: been lucky to, you know, really work with elite talent, too. It's amazing. when I look at this team that you played on, Craig Anderson was your, was your goaltender that played a couple games. You had Michael Layton that played a couple games. Brett Seabrook was there. Colin Fraser, I think was an NHL guy. Was he not?
3: Yeah. Long time guy, Blackhawks Kings when the Kings, you got
0: won. Sean Thornton, Mike Brown, Travis Moen. Yeah. Like this is uh, this is quite the, the, the minor league team. There's a number of players that played in the national hockey league on this team.
3: I will say with that group, they were some of my best years. And you talk about rink rats, that's kind of what we were. We weren't really the most talented team, but the American league team, like, you know, you guys probably know that that division in the American league was so tough. And every night it was, you know, you're playing Hershey and Philly and you just said some of the guys we had, like I can go back Jimmy Vandermeer. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Brown, like some toughness. Like it's every night you're playing like Dennis Bombi. Every team's got four or five guys. And you know, when you get the puck, they're going to run you and you're, yeah, that division was so super tough back then. It was, that was, that was a grind to play in, but we had some good teams there. And, you know, like Donnie does here, uh, we had a Trent Yanni too. He coaches in LA, works for their defense now too. He created the same environment, the culture where just guys you know what enjoyed being around each other you know they got to see your coaching side but they got to see your real side too you know yeah I don't, that stuff matters
1: these days
3: it does and it's you know go grab a young guy and let them see the real side of you take them out for lunch and not even talk hockey and you know that's the one thing is building relationships with young guys too it's you know, hey, yeah, you got to show them how hard you work and you know how much you're invested in their career, but yeah, they got to see your. You it's, know. Respect, right? it, it's
0: respect, right? It's respect that goes back, back and forth. Your, your, you as a coach have seen a lot of things. You've played the game. You've played with, you know, elite players, and you know you're there to be almost somewhat constructive give them constructive criticism to try and improve things that they can improve on and one thing that comes to mind when I think of you know your position and and you've playing a a long time pro hockey how do you deal with a player like Rasmus Dahlin which for me it's like I can't I can as a as a former defenseman I can't think about what he thinks about because it is mind-boggling what he does on the ice offensively and the way he sees the game, how do you try and channel um, to get the, the, the most out of, out of Rasmus Dahlin? Because, you know, obviously from the start of the year to where he is now, he is, he is it's um, night and day. come a long, long way. It's night and day.
3: Well, that again, that, it starts with Donnie and the culture he's created. And I think that carries on with like our whole coaching staff. It's so easy um, with the culture that we have to have honest conversations with these guys. And it's not like, you know, young guys and, you know, back when we played, it's like yell and scream. No, it's, you know, yeah. them how And then honestly, we do more positive reinforcement. Um, we catch them doing it right and show more of that than we do, you know, the constructive stuff. And it's almost like him now, he can almost self-correct himself when he makes a mistake. And, you know, the one thing that we've really focused, you know, I'll use dolls as an example, like just his, uh, you know, with Donnie's system, like our defense having no fear. And as soon as we lose possession of the puck, well, let's get it back right away so we can be on offense. And, you know, it's interesting and we'll watch other teams and then we'll watch RD, but it's, um, playing with no fear and watch how aggressive we are. As soon as we lose possession of the puck, especially off the rush and, uh, in the corners, just defending fast. And, you know, obviously you got to protect the front of the net, but we only have to do that if it gets there. So we've really focused on, as soon as we lose possession of the puck, like just being aggressive without it, especially RD, it can, you know, cover up a lot of stuff and, and in the corners, defending fast. And then obviously, you know, one of the things we do value the most too is breaking it out and we got guys that can do that and you know, on the elite level
1: have you seen a difference in Darlene's confidence both on the ice and off the ice since the start of the year? Cause you know, look, I'll throw myself in, in the mix as well. He's had a lot of harsh critics locally. This is a tough, tough market to play in. Um, yeah. when you're a high priced talent, you're a first overall pick and, you know, it's it's been, I wouldn't say a bumpy road, but it's been up and down for him over the first few years. But now it seems like everything has just kind of steadied itself out. So where would you say his confidence was at the start of the year versus now?
3: Uh being able to let go of uh a shift. You know, maybe come back to the bench, think about, it, let it go, put it past you. Um early in the year, you know, if you have a good run, then you know, maybe. Things didn't go his way and he would let it bother him and affect him and affect the rest of a game where now it's... You know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in
2: Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, your heroes in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson
0: in business.
3: Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together.
0: I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
3: No, his mindset has totally changed. And you realize, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes. They really are. And especially the minutes that he plays and the players that he plays against. It's not like he goes out there against third and fourth line guys. And, you know, he's a target. Other teams know who he is. Like um, he controls the whole game for us. So um, just understanding, like, you know, let it go, like move forward. Um, He's been outstanding at that. Like just his whole mental toughness and his makeup, you know, now is, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the best. Uh, I love it when we play like uh, Colorado, Cause we'll talk about kill McCarr and he wants to be better in him when he plays against them. Or uh, there's a couple more. We've like high it. He looks at, you know, the other team's top defense. And when he goes in there, he's like, he's so driven that I'm going to be better than him tonight. So I think just his ability to let go of um, stuff that, you know, maybe a play he would like to have back or a positioning thing.
1: So it was the opposite of what I would do. If I had a bad shift, I come back, I'd go right into fetal position on the bench and just
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I think a lot of I think a lot of it has to do with his maturity. You know, four years in the league, you know, a- again, like Petey said, you know, the expectations on this young man was so extreme. Like I remember back when when the Buffalo Sabres drafted him, everybody kept on talking about, you know, this is the greatest first overall draft pick defenseman since uh, Dennis Pottsman and everyone's like, what? what, what's going on here? The pressure and the stresses that this young man must have, because then you have guys like PD and I we're the armchair coach uh, geniuses that are breaking them down and ripping them apart. Um, which some nights is, is unfair because, you know, we played the game. We understand how hard it is. And we understand that there's always the ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. but i feel that he's at a point right now and when you watch him that it's his maturity level not necessarily just on the ice but off the ice as a, as a young man as a person years yeah. ago we got to see rasmus dahlin as a, a very very young blonde finished uh, or a swedish kid that came over here and now you can see that there's a different confidence to him um And, you know, obviously that's, that's largely with him growing, but obviously the guidance of, of your coaching staff for
3: sure. And and that starts with Donnie. And that's the first thing I remember one of my first interviews with Don. Hey, we're
1: not, Hey, we're not interviewing Don Granato so much, please.
0: People is going to get his time. This is Marty. You're dealing with these defense and and this defense core. And you know what? I mean, stop being so humble. It's annoying the hell out of me. Hey, Give you know yourself what? a
1: pat in the back.
3: Hey, you know what? <laughs> Number one thing is we believe in him. So we got confidence in him. You know, he hasn't made the second, you know, the same mistake twice all year. I'll, I'll use the example, you know what? Earlier in the year, he got tapped for one or two goals around the net. It was just more of a positioning thing. Yeah. You know, we'd come back and then we'd work on it. We'd do those little things in practice and, um, he, you know, we correct it and he would get better at it. You know, all of a sudden two, two or three more days later at practice, he's like, Hey, can we do that little net play drill again? Um, so, and, and he's just never made the same mistake twice. And you, you guys know, it's, it, it, we have a lot of confidence in him. Like, like I say, he's just so driven to be the best. And he, since I've been here, like I say, he's never made the same mistake twice.
1: Matias Samuelson. I mean, talk about a bright spot on defense. I mean, sure. like big can move. Obviously he's got, you know, he's got good, he's got good skill for a big guy. What's the uh, composure. What's the, what's the, yeah, composure. What's the ceiling for him in your opinion?
3: Uh, number one, shut down defenseman, uh, play against other teams, top lines every night, be a number one penalty killing defenseman, take charge in that too um just really uh swarm you as soon as the other team gets in the zone like he you know depending on who he matches up with down the road partner wise but that's what will be best about this team is you know you can take Darlene away from team's number ones because Sammy can defend against you know the other team's best players and him just realizing uh and being confident his number one is strength too and then number two, that his ability to get on you and close fast and his stick and he kills plays. And, you know, not only does he kill plays, he makes plays at, right after, you know, kill the play, make the play. Um, you know,
0: you know, I what's just, awesome. Lately what's awesome him? about this guy too, is when, when he was drafted uh, in the second round, you know, big, big, strong, uh, defenseman was playing in the world juniors at the time was wearing the C for the U S okay. That shows leadership. And then he moves on and he goes to, if I'm not mistaken, Western Michigan and spends a couple years there. And his last year was given an A on his Jersey. And this is a young guy. Okay. And now when he came to the minors in, in Rochester, I spoke with uh Webby yep. uh, Mike Weber and Mike Weber basically said, I said, listen, what, what's the word on this Samuelson kid? He goes, yep. he is going to be an incredible player in the NHL. He's got character and he's got leadership and it's, he's like the, the Montreal fans are going to love this kid. Does that kind of sound a little bit like him? The Montreal fans. Or, or, uh,
1: (laughs) stop, cut the cord, man. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Absolutely. And you know what, even dolls too go to him, but the best thing about these guys is they can self-evaluate, you know, it's, Oh, you know, you talk about their game with them the next day. It's like, they're pretty honest with themselves. They know when they weren't good, you know, and they know where they got to, you know, get, you know, they know what they got to work on to get, Better at or um, you know, stuff like that. Like their ability, like I say, to self-correct is outstanding. Um, yeah, his ceiling is very high. Elite shutdown defender, and still once he even gets stronger, too. Like um, he's already he's already ran over some people along the wall in front of the net. He's pretty firm. You see it, yeah. you know, a couple games ago. I can't remember who we were playing, but it was they're better players too. And he gave him a little cross check in the ribs in front of the net. He turned around and looked at him. David Perron was in St. Louis. Um, and he, the next time I watched him and he wouldn't even go near the front of the net when Sammy was in front of the net. So
0: yeah, he
3: doesn't even know his own. That's strength.
0: what you want. That's what you want to build. And, uh, you know, when I, when I, when we sit here and we look at, you know, the, the improvement in these young, younger players, whether it's Yoki Haru, whether it's Darlene or Samuelson, There's always the other side and these, these veteran guys that are very instrumental to younger players making the next step. Um, guys like, guys like Mark Pisick. You know uh, all I've heard is how insanely great this this man is in the dressing room and how well he's like the leadership qualities and 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 Colin Miller has been here for a number of years that it's really helped this young group what what how what do you th- say about these guys and what they're bringing to the the defense corps
3: yep, great locker room guys have a great influence on all those guys um teaching them how to be a pro and come to the rink with a smile on their face and uh, they put the work in too, you, you know, you see those guys, you know, follow me first to the gym. Um, and, and now these young guys have just kind of taken over on their own, you know, it, practice starts at 11 o'clock Well, dolls is out there at 1120. He wants to go get his shooting reps done or this or that, but that started with those guys for sure. And, um, you know, they're, they're great too. They'll sit in the video room. We take all the defense and it's like, you know, we can talk about certain situations and they've lived it too, pissick and milsey and they'll speak their mind and hey have you thought about this or doing that here in this situation and um they've been outstanding uh with that and and now it's allowed those other young guys to speak up and you find you go do these meetings now it's like the younger guys do all the talk and so um but it started with those guys for sure
1: how excited is everybody i mean maybe not you know maybe not some of the personnel on the defense side of things because you know with one person coming in someone you know loses a spot but how excited excited for the most part is everybody there about owen power
3: oh absolutely looking forward to it a few guys mentioned that today you know that's another
0: uh high end. Uh, look at your smile right now. Smiles. Holy <laughs> <job>. <laughs> Yeah.
3: I honestly was hoping Michigan played well last weekend, but they came up a little bit short. But hey, that's okay. He'll be here soon enough. Um, it is exciting, you know. Think about having him on board. You guys just talked about you I don't think he gets, you know, quite the credit that he deserves Too yep. Like his defending skills are becoming you know among the elite too and the way he can transition the puck and and same as dolls too how just how competitive he is now and he gets fired up you know and a you know another player in another team it, it he'll get chirping you guys I'm liking that guys get chirping and finish you don't see it but he is an ultra competitive guy and he's driven to be really good too and um the one thing about those guys too, even Jacob Bryson lately too, he's been on a, you know, 12, 15 game in a row, like where he's just been consistent and his competitive drive is amped up another level and he kills plays off the rush and he breaks out so well under pressure. Um, And the one thing about, I'm just saying those four guys, and you throw Fitzy in there, like who doesn't love Fitzy? He brings a different element than the other four don't have. And Uh, just the bite that he has and he's willing to stand in there and he's not afraid of anybody. And, you know, I go back to the Vegas game early in the year. I know we got pumped by them, but that patch he wanted nothing to do with them. And these guys are doing a good job of identifying the other team's impact players and having no fear and going right after them. You know, it's still got to play the game within the game. You know, you guys, players like that too. You got to be rugged and hard nose on the back end. And you got to throw a little fear into the, you know, opposition's best players. And that's another element that obviously Fitzy brings, but those other guys I mentioned too, they're so competitive and driven. Like that's, that's what's awesome.
1: You talked about that Vegas game. That was February 1st. And a lot has happened with this team since then. There was another Vegas since then there was an outdoor game that, you know, it just seems like it seems like each and every game that goes by win or lose Marty, it just seems like the team continues to grow together one way or the other. I mean, the loss they learn from, but the wins are emotional for them too. And take me to the Vegas game here. I don't want to talk about Jack Eichel and, and all that stuff. I want to talk about the locker room after that game. I, and before I, like the that, nerves of that before, game. Yeah. Before that's a, that's another great point. Can you, can you tell us what the preparation was like for that? Cause that Craig and I talked about that. That's emotional, yes for Jack and for Vegas because they understand the magnitude of the game, but it's also massive for the Sabers that night too. For
3: sure it is. Um number 1, these young guys especially were so excited to have that many people in the building and you could feel the energy in that building and they're just like, "Oh, this is what this can be like." And they yep. want to make it good because you know, Ellie's obviously talked about it. I've heard from him, but they want to make it good because they, I think they realize um, what this city will do when they're good. Um, so that, that's kind of where it started. Like, that was a great crowd that night. They kind of love that. Here comes the coach here too. Once he won't pop his
1: head in. Oh, meatballs! What's going
3: on?
2: (laughs) This guy work today, or what's going on? No, no. This is work right here. We don't
1: care that it's a game day. What we're doing right now, coach, is we are making your team better.
2: I bet you are. (laughs) I I haven't listened to you guys as much this year. I always learn from listening to you guys. So uh, probably better that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Right. Better. It's probably better that way. You
2: guys aren't with a little bit of controversy. I do know that.
1: Well, listen, hey, life without controversy for
2: me is, uh, it's boring. Yeah. You know, how are you? When you know the guys took bumps and bruises and more than that, grief their whole career, and then you listen to them, there's there's a little more substance (laughs) behind what they're saying than guys (laughs) that haven't been punched in the head and blocked shots. uh, There you go. Absolutely. uh, Well, keep up the good work, Coach. Yeah, thank
3: you, guys, Donnie. So Donnie, no, let Donnie answer this one because that's a good question. He, he, they asked about the young guys and the impact of that Vegas game when it was here and what went on. Yeah, you know, before and after in the locker room and stuff. So, yeah, it,
2: it, I think it was an amazing opportunity for our guys, and they seized it. You know, that whole culmination of everything that night and. Uh in the environment. They fed off the crowd. The crowd was amazing. Uh amazing energy. Were you guys in the building that night? No, we were not. No. Yeah. Um, So it was it was something. And and I think that uh nobody knew going in, but I thought ocposo and our older guys did a great job. We even in the pregame, we just dialed in and said, Hey, their best players are like their best player, best players on every team we play against. Like let's get to our game, let's play our game and, and have the confidence. Uh, that we, we can be assertive and win. And I think going through that emotional, so we downplayed any hype is what we did. Yeah. So how was, how was that, you know,
0: you as an, as a team, as a coach, okay, all you guys putting all the work in, and you're seeing Peyton Krebs come up with the first goal of the game, and you're like, wow, well, hey, that was a Vegas trade. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a 2-1 game. There's a minute left in the game, and and Jack Eichel's on the ice, and there you can see, like, I mean, everybody's got a little chills, they're sitting at the edge of their seat. Alex Tuck blocks a, a Uh, uh, a shot at the blue line or a keep in and goes down and scores that goal from a crazy angle. Three, one. How was it when you guys got into the locker room? How were the boys after that? Look, and
1: I'm going to add this because being a former player and like, we all know you don't want to lose to that guy. It's nothing personal against him, but it's like, you don't want Jack to come
2: back and beat you. You don't period. End of story. Yeah, nobody competitive would want that, right? I go back to just thinking you play in the basement against my older brother. I didn't want to lose, didn't want to lose there, didn't want to lose in the backyard, didn't want to lose wherever. And and this is, I think, fits right in that category. You just you just didn't want to lose. But Craig, uh, you're giving me chills up my spine thinking about that. So you do way better. You moved way uh, beyond your playing career. Listen, you're, you're right. Like talk, I agree. Talk. I didn't even, you know, in the moment, I'm not thinking like that. Just. You know you're you're happy of course, but you don't your mind can't process yet. You're in the middle of a game, you haven't won it yet. For when Krebs scores the first goal, and then it's like, oh, geez, that actually was nice. Yeah, Krebs scored that one, and then you move on right to the next moment, and then the end of the game that happens, and you're like, whoa, did Tuck just do that? Was Tuck the guy that just did that?
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You're in the zone. You're you have the ability to be in the zone and be calm and cool and collected where all the fan base is losing their marbles. And that's what makes this game great. And you know what, congratulations to your team. It's not, you, you have a long way to go to the rest of the season to finish it off, but you know what the boys look fantastic and it looks like a tight team right now. So good job. Thanks. Keep up the great work
2: go back with him, but uh, <laughs> approval or disapproval on, a, on, on him. Oh, he's been uh, uh, oh, in, yeah. terms of, in terms of what as coach or a
1: podcast it's, it's, it's guest.
2: It's, it's I mean, you got to know him a little bit here, like uh, you know.
1: A plus, man. A plus. Uh, all right.
2: Hey, yeah. guys.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hey, the, hey, hey, you, that, know, hey uh, you know what? Hey, Marty, Marty, you, Marty, you, you do know, know that saying? we're gonna delete all that, Marty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Marty, Marty, you know what that was right there? That was What's job that? security for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, you You're listen, get Marty, an extension after this, Marty, you, yeah. I swear to God, you bring this, you get this tape and you bring that in to the GM, Kevin Adams. And you say, I want a two-year extension.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Already. Yeah.
0: You're the man. Yeah. You know what? Better yet. We'll send it to him for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, no, it, it's great. Hey, it's great. that it, to
3: Add on to that. You know what Donnie talked about? And you guys af, uh, asked about after in the locker room, they obviously have their own routine and they have the saber sword for the player of the game. Right. And the one thing I think that night it was given to Peyton Krebs and he pulls it out and does a sing. I'm not even sure, but the, what his words were, you know what? I'm so happy to be a Buffalo saber. I couldn't be in a better place.
1: That's and what he uh, said. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's huge because you know what, man, it's been a long time since fans here have sensed that young up and coming stars want to be here. Yes. You know, it's been a long time. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't have to say anything, but I think people could sense that Jack didn't want to be here. So to see Mm -hmm. Alex Tuck smiling every day to see Mm -hmm. Peyton Krebs or hear that he says that, to, he, to see right. other players like you can tell Darlene wants to be here just with how he's playing, yeah. how he's progressed. I mean, it's, it's insane what's going on down there. You know, I mean, it's, it, it really is go back to the Chicago game that just happened down for right. nothing. You know, I mean, yeah. how does that click? What's the, what's the vibe in the, in the middle of the periods or at the intermissions uh, with the team? Because, you know, a lot of teams, especially in the position that the Sabres are in, just in the standings would have just been like, ah, whatever. Like it, it, the game doesn't mean anything for sure. You
3: know what? I experienced that in the last couple of years with Anaheim where it became this time of the year, Oh, you get down. It's like, you know what? Just play to get through it. And you know what? Donnie had a pretty good speech after the first period and I don't remember the full details, but he just went in there and he said, you know what? We haven't even started playing. We haven't even given ourselves a chance here, you know? And, Chicago's pretty opportunistic team, right? If you just kind of float with them and they'll get your chances and they'll score. He's like, let's at least throw some, you know, body checks around or get a little more physical or get a little bit more, uh, hungrier on loose pucks. And let's see what happens. They just went through a game. I think it was a game before whatever in Vegas, where they blew a three goal each. We talked about that. They scored right away at the, you know, uh, start of the second period. And, for nothing. And, you know, it's like coaches don't really even need to say anything anymore with this team doll stands up on the bench. He's like, enough is enough. Let's get it going. And then all of a sudden Thompson says something, and then we have a good shift and we didn't even score. And it's like, I heard another guy say, Yoko, how are you? It's going to come, you know, it's going to, you know, get to the net. And next thing you know, we get one and,
0: you know, you know what I love about this team and that I'm buying in as a fan and I've, I said this the last, you know, actually just in, in some podcasts we've done in the last uh, week or so I've basically said to the fans and I've never said this in 10 years Mm-hmm. It's, I see something in this team that has turned the corner and they're enjoyable to watch. There is absolutely no quit in this team. And it goes back to your last two games. I'm, I'm sitting in my coach, and I'm watching you play the New York Rangers who are loaded with skill. They they're a very deep hockey team. They've got a great goaltender right now and I'm sitting there and it's two nothing before I even could, you know, crack my first beer and sit down to enjoy the game. Right, But I'm telling you, there was no quit in the team. I never saw, but I was telling Petey this. I was actually watching in the Chicago game. You guys were down for nothing. And maybe I'm just a little bit off, but I'm not even watching. I'm watching the body language. Every time they scroll the Don Granato on the bench, I'm looking at the player's eyes, their body language. If there's any, you know, pouting, but there's nothing there's absolutely nothing and that's a tribute to don to to matt ellis to 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 jason christie to to yourself who keep these guys focused and i'm going to tell you and positive it's been been fun to watch it's been fun to watch
3: it's real you're right you know uh I coached with a guy one time there. Well, Trangani. When I I went back, I played with him. I coached with him, and you know, he always we always have these discussion. Is your leadership, you know, is it real or is it forced? Is it in fact, you know? And that's the one thing. It is real here. Um, Okaposo. He he doesn't get enough credit. He's an outstanding. He said about those D guys, but it, that Okaposo. He he drives the bus here, man. It's real, and
0: he's going to score twenty this year.
3: Yeah.
0: He's scoring 20 this year
3: for sure. He doesn't panic and his uh, influence just rubs off on everybody. And, you know, like you say, Donnie's too. It's early in the year, we get down. We didn't believe we'd come back. Now it's like the NHL. Look at every night. There's a comeback, right? It's not like, you know, you get down to nothing anymore. You trap up and you check and you defend and you chip it out. You know, it's, you know the way the game's played nowadays it's still played you know kill plays fast transition go there's a lot of comebacks and this team believes it doesn't matter the score anymore it it really does believe that we're never out of it
1: last question i'll ask you saber related then we got to go we got to reminisce about the old oshawa generals for just a minute i need to know who your billets were um tage thompson yep tage thompson um I would have to say, if there was an award in the NHL for most improved player in the league, right. 100% without question, 10 games ago, it would have been awarded to Tage Thompson.
3: Right. For sure. For sure. His ability to hang on to the puck and nobody can strip him of it uh, and possess, uh, like, keep plays alive in the offensive zone, like possession time and extend plays down there um, is outstanding. And not only that, like he's got the vision that goes along with it too. You know, he can escape a guy off a, you know, in the corner and boom, he, you know, elite vision right away senses where Skinner's going to be, or he always finds the right guy and all that, you know, is great too. And the number one thing where he's really improved too is in his own end. Like, obviously, I don't think he was a center here before. I think that was more of a positional change when it came here. And, you know, he gets the top matchups too all the time on the road, right? Teams are going to match up their best players or their checking players against him. So he gets a tough draw every night too. And, yeah, he's becoming into elite status. You can't really, you know, he's had so much of an impact on this game. And yet, you know, like I say about those other guys too, he's one of the last guys, you know, off the ice or he's always – looking at the little intangibles, you know, whether it's face-offs or I see him with, you know, Smurf, like, working on face-offs or uh, with Ellie, talking about power play stuff. Like, he, he is driven to get this team where it needs to be
1: also. His dad, man. I could never even look at his dad in the eyes when I played against him. His dad was, was an animal. Animal. You played uh, against like, him for a lot of years too, Marty.
3: He was in Hershey for all those years. I played against him 10 times a year, yeah. he Scary year of
0: yeah for sure scary but guy Brent and, and Jones, you look at tage he's tough. the exact opposite of his dad you know is, you, tage that's because his dad
1: was like don't be like me be a be a be less like a real skilled guys dad was great it was physical defenseman tough <laughs> as nails yeah very but, good, yeah but he and tage are total opposites when it comes to hey
3: i was watching bridgeport and he's the head coach of bridgeport they were playing rochester the other day and we threw it on i think it was before our game and it's just like you know what it's exactly the way he played after every whistle there's a scrum at the net or everybody goes and stops at the net or there's a whack on the ankles it, it was so interesting to watch it's just like there's brett thompson all over together you know all over again he's got you know full team playing the same way he
0: did yeah that's awesome that's awesome oshawa
1: generals man you guys went sure. to the championship that year you left the year before i came there but i'll tell you Guys used to talk the legend of Marty Wilford. When I, when I went into Oshawa as a rookie, like one of the things that I remember when I went to the OHL was you always heard about the guys that were there the year before. And you right. all came up. I can't remember who you used to drive to school, but I ended up riding with them to the, to, to school every day. Oh my God. Where'd you live when you were there? Uh, I live
3: with, uh, the team doctor, my last year, Colby. Dr. Okay. Colby. And then my first two years I live with, uh, Wayne, not the trainer guy, but Wayne Hutchinson.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The volunteer fireman.
3: Yeah, so I didn't live with those guys, but it's another people with the same name, and their
1: son was a long-time general as well too. Okay, uh, I, had, I had Nancy and Bill Knight. I don't know if you remember. They had College Jackamo.: Yeah. I they, you know who they, they had? They had, they had uh, what's that? No, they didn't have Coulter. They had uh, uh, I do that name. They had a, uh, uh, who's the, the, uh, uh, veteran guy. He was, he was from Hamilton. Big guy, um, played on your team. Uh, uh Ryan Lindsay. no, 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 no. Wasn't John Tripp. Jason Nathan was... Parrott. No, wasn't Nathan Parrott. Uh, I, I can't remember who the guy Mike was. Of... No, Zeutz is from my hometown. I just saw, have you seen him? He's in Buffalo. Eh? I haven't. Yeah. But uh, Jeff was
3: telling me there the last time they hang out a little bit and, we connected and exchanged messages, but haven't had a chance to meet up.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's back in town. I'm going to look this up right now, who they had. It was, you know, I,
3: that my last year, I had a lot of fun with those young guys that were there. So that would have been like Kevin Cauley, Brent Govro. Uh, those are, yeah.
1: Brian, Brian Allen was that Yeah. Yeah.
3: Those,
1: that I was know, my, uh... With,
3: uh, Brian Allen now. Cause he lives out uh, kind of where I lived in Anaheim. So we would, you know, catch up a fair bit. John Tripp and him are really tight. They're really close buddies and Tripper would come out a couple of times
1: a year. So we'd catch up. They had Ryan Tosher.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. He was came in a uh, late trade there. That's right.
1: Yeah, they had they had Ryan tosher I I enjoyed my time in Oshawa, even though I I asked to be traded out of there. I just couldn't stand the coach there. I don't know if you had John Goodwin or not. I know you had Bill Stewart. I got drafted. I was hoping Bill Stewart was was going to be our coach, but then he ended up going, I think, to the Islanders, and then we ended up with the other guy. So
3: yeah, I had John Goodwin as assistant though all three years I was there.
1: I heard he was completely different as an assistant.
3: Yeah, He's a good guy, then. So yeah, i didn't got to see the, uh,
1: the other uh, side
3: of him. Yeah. Anyway, oh, Bill Stewart, we could tell stories
1: about him for a long time. Well, he was he was the same guy that I think he put the Russian under the under the bus yeah, when yeah,
0: exactly. when they crossed. going over the border. Yeah, going yeah. over the
1: border, they threw they asked the Russian guy who didn't have the papers, the player to go under the bus, and they got caught.
3: Yeah, then he got traded to uh, North Bay, and I think it was Bert Templeton. You guys probably remember that yeah, name. Yeah, well, I'm
0: from North Bay.
3: Oh are you no way. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Centennials were big part of my upbringing. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. So he's the one that kind of ratted to the league on Stewie. Cause I guess, I guess North Bay was going to go across the border and the Russian kid, not very much English, went up to Bert and said, Hey, you got to put me under the bus. <laughs> that's
1: right. I, did, I did hear that. I, in yeah. the middle of the bus trip, wasn't he like, Hey, uh, when are you going to pull over and put me under the bus? Yeah. Yeah. Right before they cross the border. Yeah. I oh, get uh, the good old OHL. Hey, good old OHL.
3: I went and played for Bill Stewart in Europe and uh, I, I have some stories. Yeah.
1: If we ever got
3: together one night, we could tell some good ones
1: on him. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll save it because you're in a, in a professional setting right now. We, yeah, we, we, for we won't sure. pry. For, we won't pry. For <laughs> Marty, thanks for the time today, man. A lot long. Good luck tonight against Winnipeg.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. yeah great awesome. Well done. Keep up the great time. work. Yeah, yeah. Keep it up, man. Thank you.
3: All right. We'll see you later.
1: <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig 52 at the instigator 76.